0: A year of crime, as reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee for the 25th of March, 1886, finds outbreak at St. Louis, lynched by a mob in Kentucky, and an Alderman Jane update, plus much more. Please be aware that some articles published in 1886 used language that we find offensive today. It was my decision to report the articles as written during that time in the belief that we must tell the truth about our history. Today's articles are taken from the Memphis Appeal. A Cheeky Proceeding Washington, March 24th Ex-Senator Bruce and ex-Congressman Lynch of Mississippi called on the President today and appealed to him for moral support in suppressing outrages upon colored people in the South. The President promised to comply with their request. Outbreak at St. Louis. Conflict between the strikers and police. The switchman strike at Kansas City ended. The situation at Chicago. St. Louis, Missouri, March 24th. Superintendent Kerrigan will, it is believed, make another attempt this morning to send a Missouri-Pacific freight train out of St. Louis with the assistance of the special detectives employed by the company since the beginning of the strike and a strong force of policemen furnished him by the police board at its meeting yesterday. This heavy guard is thought necessary because of the failure of a similar effort yesterday through the interference of a large party of men and boys surrounding the train who parted it by pulling the coupling pins of the cars and switched it off its track. The three executive boards of the Knights of Labor, now in session yesterday, decided to meet with the businessmen of the city tonight in the mercantile Liberty Hall and advise with them upon the situation Before adopting any further measures intended to result in an extension of the strike to other railroads and other cities. From committeemen, it has been learned that there, the three executive committees now in session here anticipate that the meeting in Mercantile Hall tonight will result in some action by the businessmen of the city which will procure a conference between a Knights of Labor committee and Mr. Hoxie in a satisfactory adjustment of their grievances. It is then seen that nothing in that direction is accomplished. Some of the plans already arranged will be put into execution. The first of these is understood to be a strike of the Knights of Labor in the railroad yards in St. East St. Louis, and circumstances will then decide what steps shall follow. Conflict between the strikers and the police A freight train of 15 cars was made up this morning at the Union Depot and started over the Missouri-Pacific tracks in the direction of 17th Street. Arriving at that point, the crowd called upon the engineer and firemen to leave their post, which they did. The mob here soon became so dense that it was deemed advisable to clear the yards and the police were summoned. Soon, a force of about 150 commanded by the chief of police and the captains arrived at the scene. The crowd was then ordered to disperse, and upon their refusing to do so, the police made a charge upon them, hoping to drive them away without using their clubs. The latter alternative, however, came necessary to resort to, the mob still resisting. During the struggle, which ensued, several of the strikers were brutally beaten by the police, some of whom were in turn badly bruised from rocks thrown by the mob. After a brief fight, the crowd was dispersed and driven from the yards. Another engine was then procured, which, after being coupled to the abandoned freight train, drew it from the scene of the riot under guard of about 50 police who accompanied it as far as the city limits, no interference having been met with. How far beyond this point the train will be able to proceed cannot be conjectured, for the strikers may at any time render its progress impossible. Their courage failed. Just after the freight train had gotten away, carrying a large portion of the police force, the mob, numbering about 1,000 men, made a rush for the shops of Missouri Pacific to take possession of them. The courage, however, of a majority of them failed, and only about 40 proceeded beyond hallway, and they soon abandoned the idea and dispersed. Business Interest Taking Action The Board of Directors and Transportation Committee of the Merchants' Exchange of the City, in a joint meeting today, adopted resolutions demanding that the strike upon the Missouri-Pacific Railroad and the Gould southwestern system of railroads shall cease, and as a means to that end, that the strikers upon these roads shall either return to their former positions or discontinue, hindering those who are willing to work. The resolutions also invoke the civil and military powers of the cities, counties, and states, and, if necessary, of the United States, to enforce the law which shall put an end to the present deplorable condition of affairs. Strikers still triumphant at Atchison, Kansas, March 24th. The Missouri-Pacific Railroad officials made two attempts this morning to send out freight trains over the roads but failed to succeed. The first train succeeded without encountering any interference and running to a point about one mile from the Union Depot where a number of strikers boarded it and set the brake. The engine was killed and the train brought back to the city by the switch engine. A second attempt was then made, this time under the protection of the city marshal, the sheriff, and a number of policemen. The train succeeded in getting as far as the city limits, but a short distance from there, the strikers took control of it and brought it back to the yards. There was considerable excitement here during the attempts to move these trains, but no serious disturbance. All the Missouri-Pacific engines here, except two, are disabled. The Situation Critical at Denison. Denison, Texas, March 24th. An active boycott has been inaugurated by the Knights of Labor against the businessmen who signed the petition against the strike and which was forwarded to Colonel Hoxie. A number of Knights who had accounts with some of the storekeepers who signed the petition settled their accounts yesterday and notified the proprietors that they never would trade with them again. The whistle at the shop sounded off and on all day yesterday, but no one was at work there. A large crowd of knights moved toward an incoming passenger train during the afternoon as if to disable it when a company of deputy sheriffs arrived and drove the strikers back at the point of Winchester Rifles. They steadily followed the strikers until Main Street was reached, where the strikers refused to recede any further, whereupon the deputies raised their guns as though about to fire into the crowd." Sheriff Douglas appeared at this moment and interposed and arrested five of the strikers who were jailed but were afterwards released on bail. The situation here is critical and a conflict may occur at any hour. The yards and shops of the Missouri Pacific Railroad are heavily guarded. Alarming prison revolt in France Paris, March twenty-fourth. An alarming revolt took place today at the prison in Chalons. The military had to be called in to quell the disturbance. The authorities have ordered an inquiry to be made into the complaints of the prisoners that their treatment by the prison officials is intolerable. Three Negroes hanged by a mob for attempted rape in Kentucky. Swindler, captured at Corinth, Mississippi, found guilty of perjury. Jane still in jail. Special to the appeal. Corinth, Mississippi, March 24th. A swindler calling himself D.W. May and falsely represented, representing the Butterick Publishing Company in New York was suspicioned as such by the firm of J.D. Bills & Company, of whom he attempted to take orders for part cash in advance, as well as some worthy ladies in the millinery business. And the suspicions on him deepened until Colonel John D. Bills went to the depot and arrested the swindler. A charge by affidavit was made against him for attempting to get money and other valuables under false pretenses. Colonel Bills sent telegrams all over the country tracing the fellow up, and when he ascertained that the Butterick Publishing Company would at once send an agent here to testify against him, the fellow pleaded guilty and threw himself upon the mercy of his honor, L. M. U., the mayor, who sentenced him to 30 days in the county jail and fined him $50 and the cost. Triple lynching in Kentucky Louisville, Kentucky, March 24th. A special says that yesterday morning near Auburn, Kentucky, three Negroes, Hamp Wade, Alex North, and Henry Shaw, attempted to outrage the person of Miss Cora Day, the daughter of a prominent citizen of this place, as she was passing through a strip of woods. Her cries brought assistance, and the alarm being given, a posse followed and captured the fiends. As they were bringing them back to jail, they were met by a mob who, taking the prisoners from the officers, strung all three up to a tree where they are still hanging, no one caring to cut them down. as popular feeling is so strong against them that it would be dangerous to do so. Later, reports from Auburn, Kentucky failed to confirm the story of the lynchings of three Negroes. The original matter was sent by mail by an unknown correspondent and published here by a morning paper. Alderman Jane arraigned, New York, March 24th. Alderman Jane was arraigned in court this morning and entered a plea of not guilty. A motion was made to reduce the bail to $20,000. Jane swore that he had no intention of leaving the city. Judge Gildersleeve denied the motion. Post Office robbed, Hempstead, Texas, March 24th. At an early hour yesterday morning, thieves entered the post office building here and carried off $2,000 in money. About $700 of it belonged to the government. Found guilty of perjury Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, March 24th. Mrs. Myers, who has been on trial for some days past on a charge of perjury, was found guilty this morning. Mrs. Myers was one of the principals in the contest for the maternity of a babe, the other contestant being Mrs. Bauer. Mrs. Myers swore at a hearing in a habeas corpus case to obtain possession that she was the mother of the child. and Mrs. Bauer claimed that she was the mother, but gave the babe to Mrs. Myers to take care of until she recovered her health, she being at the time an inmate of the almshouse. Several witnesses testified that they were present at Mrs. Meyer's house when the child was born, but the nurse testified that the babe was obtained from Mrs. Bauer and that she aided in the deception practiced. Ms. Bauer will institute habeas corpus proceedings at once for the recovery of her child. The case is said to be without a parallel in the history of American and English jurisprudence. Hydrophobia Statistics Official statistics regarding hydrophobia show a remarkable decrease in the number of cases since the enactment of the law ordering the muzzling of dogs. Wholesale Slaughter A Series of Horrible Murders in Central America New York, March 24th Panama Advices of the 16th say A series of terrible murders has been committed in the state of Santander. An entire family was assassinated. The names of the victims are Carbaton Marscalis Faciano Ortego, his wife Camilia, a girl of twelve years, Valeria, aged ten, Ricardo, aged eight, Cantano, aged five, Virginia, aged two, and an infant to which the mother had given birth in the excitement which preceded the wholesale slaughter. The horrible crime created a, a profound sensation, and the populace, if not prevented, would have disposed of the assassins by lynching them. There are six in number. The president, president of the republic has directed the assassins be tried by a military court-martial. The apprehension of the assassins has led to developments and has brought to light other crimes of a revolting character. The pole must hang, Chicago, Illinois, March twenty-fourth. Frank Mokowski, the pole under sentence to hang here Friday for the murder and robbery of Mrs. Agnes Kleszczik, was today refused a supersite cedius. Tonight, his attorney makes public a letter signed by George Kowalski, who confessing that he, not Mikowski, is the murderer and that the stolen articles found on Mikowski were given him by the real murderer with whom Mikowski was to divide the proceeds of the robbery. Here's another update on Alderman Jane from New York. Alderman Jane at Liberty, New York, March 24th. Alderman Jane was conducted to the Norton House this evening. There, he and his bondsmen were met by Judge Gildersleeve, who accepted the pro-offered securities, and the alderman departed with his friends. His bondmen are five in number, Assemblyman Michael Brennan and his brother John, and three small tradesmen who qualified his worth from 2500 to 5000 each. Their agreement responsibilities are $17,000, the other $8,000 being deposited in cash. Incendiary Fire in Montana, St. Paul, Minnesota, March 24th. A Pioneer Press Special from Glendive, Montana, says an incendiary fire this morning destroyed the block containing the merchant's hotel and 11 business houses involving a loss of $50,000, insurance light. A fire at Lake Crystal, Minnesota this morning destroyed Gardner Store with contents, loss about $11,000, insurance unknown. Eloped with her pastor, Milton, West Virginia, March 22nd. Great excitement prevails in town today, especially in religious circles, by the discovery that the Reverend N.A. Ramsey of this place had eloped last night with his cousin, Miss Rosa S. Hanley. The affair is rendered more shocking by the fact that the reverend gentleman who stood most high in the estimation of his congregation leaves an excellent wife and three small children. Miss Rosa Hanley was a social belle here eighteen years of age and very beautiful. She was regarded as an especial friend of her paramour's wife. Mr. Ramsey was a Presbyterian and has expounded the gospel here for ten years, and the fall of the heavens could not have created a greater shock than this insane action of his. Mrs. Ramsey, it is thought, will die from the blow. The family of the young lady vows summary vengeance on her seducer. The whereabouts of the guilty pair is unknown, but it is believed they have gone over the Chesapeake and Ohio to Cincinnati. Peculiar Lawsuits Bloomington, Illinois, March 24th. Three peculiar suits were begun here today. Four weeks ago, Benjamin Schulte of Coral, while insane, shot and killed his brother's wife, Mrs. Levy Schulte, shot and seriously wounded Miss Schulte, his niece, and burned Levy's barn and contents, perishing in the conflagration. Today, three suits for damages were brought against the estate of the deceased madman, Levy Schulte, brought suit for the loss of his wife and a suit for $4,000 damages on his barn and contents. Miss Schulte sues for damages inflicted upon her by her uncle. The suits aggregate $10,000. Trading Wives, Taylor, Georgia, March 22nd. A queer story of domestic life has just been unraveled here by the action of vigilantes. There has been living near here two families. One, Mrs. Vina Huto and the other, Miss Julia Hutto, both the wives of the same man. Several nights ago, a party of masked men visited the houses of both women, dragged them from their beds, and soundly flogged them with hickory switches. They were then ordered to leave within a week. The husband, William Hutto, ran for the swamps when he heard the men approach. His reputation for trading in wives is widely known. He sold his first wife for a fiddle and a pin of shucks. He married a second, got a barrel of syrup for so doing, and she died on his hands before he could dispose of her. His third wife he sold for half a bushel of peas. His fourth wife was somewhat of a termagant whom he found it impossible to sell, although he offered her on trial, so he abandoned her. The two women concerned in the present difficulty are his fifth and sixth wives, respectively. The next section of the paper is entitled City News. A sentence of 10 days in jail was imposed upon Least Brown yesterday for larceny. The Dan O'Donnell shooting case will be taken up in the criminal court today. Stephen Foy, who killed his mistress Annie Pingen at the old library building some days ago, was found guilty of manslaughter by a jury in the criminal court yesterday and sentenced to three years in the penitentiary. That's the crime news for the 25th of March, 1886 from the Memphis Appeal. Please join me again for another episode of A Year of Crime as reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee.